0: My name is Boris Jovanov, and this week I have the privilege to just share a few thoughts and a few comments on this week's quarterly. Um, it's, the last, um, it's the last study in this week's quarter, um, and hopefully each and every single one of us um, are more willing, more equipped, and more inspired to be able to share the faith that saved us with others so that they too may be able to experience the joy of salvation. I know I've really enjoyed this series. And I think any time that we can be reminded and trained and equipped to be able to share our faith will not only bless others, but will also increase our own experience. But we know ultimately, in order for us to be able to share our faith, we have to take a step in faith. And so that's what this week's lesson is entitled. And the main focus passage that that kicks it off is found in Philippians chapter 2 and verse five through seven. And the Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man. In this passage, we have an amazing challenge. We have an um, a a great task and a great calling and an invitation for our mind to be shaped in the likeness of the mind of Christ and as we take some time to consider what was the life of Christ one thing that I don't think would come to anyone's mind is a life of comfort I think as I reflect on the life of Christ, as I reflect on what's revealed in the Gospels, his life seemed to be full of discomfort. But him having an uncomfortable life did not mean that he didn't have an amazing life. Because at the same time, as I read the Gospels, I am amazed by what Jesus was able to do. I'm amazed by how he was able to lead. I am amazed by the impact that he made on this world. And most importantly, I am amazed by what he was willing to do for me when he died on Calvary. Now, as we contemplate the life of Christ, what kind of life, what kind of mindset would he have had to have in order to be able to have the impact that he had and in order to be able to provide the salvation that we get to enjoy today? Well, quite obviously, he had to have a selfless mind. And I really do think one of the biggest hindrances that we have in our own hearts, preventing us from being able to experience the full power of God and to be able to witness him reaching the millions and millions and millions of people that he wants to reach is that it's very difficult in the life that we're living to divorce our desire from the desire of comfort. I think it's very natural for all of us to want to receive love. It always feels very good when someone is going the extra mile for you and it feels special. It feels important. It feels, it feels like you're loved. And then what can often happen is that we try then do the same thing for others in a way that can minimize the effect or the toll or the sacrifice that it takes on us. And I think those two desires, the desire to love and the desire to share and the desire to preserve self and to preserve our comfort they don't go hand in hand well. One will hinder the other. If you want to share, you're most likely not going to be able to be comfortable. And if you want to be comfortable, well, that's probably going to hinder you from being able to share the way Jesus was willing to share. Jesus, we know, he was equal with God. He was God. And yet... In the context of what aspect of Christ's mind are we to have, Philippians speaks of Jesus being God, but then emptying himself, stepping out of his comfort, out of his power zone, out of all his privileges to be able to help and serve and save. Now, listen, it's true that we will never be able to give as much Christ gave because. Christ, being God, always has an infinite amount to give. But we can give what he requires for us to give. And we can give what's required to be able to work with God in the process of saving others. As I read through the Bible, whether we're looking at Matthew chapter 4, 18 through 20, where Jesus called Peter and John and we read through the rest of the gospels and we go into acts and we read through the book of acts and then all the way through the new testament it doesn't seem like the church had a very comfortable journey on a phys- on the physical secular um material level of life i don't think that as i read scripture i've ever had the thought of man I wish I possessed all the cool stuff that Paul had or I wish I had as much money as Peter had. Those thoughts have never entered my mind. But what I do often really feel um, inspired by is that I wish I had the faith to let go of the things I have. I wish I had the faith to not pursue the materialistic goals to be able to invest in what is actually eternally lasting and that is souls who are saved in the Lord. One of, one of the things that as a pastor I'm often confronted with is the reality that we do want... I've never been in a church that hasn't wanted to experience the fruits that we read about in Acts I've never been in a church that didn't want to experience the promise that Jesus made that we will be able to see and do and experience even greater things than them. Wanting the fruits is never really something that I don't think our people have not wanted or that I have not wanted. But when we talk about, okay, what mind did they have that allowed the Holy Spirit to work in such a way And then when we start asking ourselves to do the same, I think this is where we are confronted with the challenge. And that is that unfortunately in the world we're living in, everything around us is motivated by making life more comfortable. Every single iOS release or um, software update on our phones is designed to make our life more comfortable. Every new booming industry is booming because it makes people's life more comfortable. And not only are we naturally creatures of comfort, but we are in a world that's constantly propagating that we need to be um, indulging in the comfort, whereas the gospel call puts a direct conflict with this desire to be comfortable. In fact, often what we will be called to do is to be uncomfortable so that others may be able to experience the comfort of knowing that they are safe and secure in the life of Jesus. I'm going to read Acts chapter 9, verses 3 to 6 and 10 to 20 from Tuesday's uh, portion of the lesson. The Bible says here, As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone from heaven. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goats. So he trembled and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. In verse 10, Now, when a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias and him, the Lord and to him, the Lord sent in a vision Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, arise and go to the street called straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in the vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go. For he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him many things he must suffer in my name's sake. Now don't miss that. I will show him many things. How, I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. <clears throat> and Ananias went his way and entered the house and laying his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and arose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. And then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Immediately he preached the Christ uh, pardon me, and immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues. That he is the Son of God. Here, Jesus chose probably the most unlikely candidate to be a witness to his name. Jesus has a tendency to do this. He's always picking people that typically might not naturally be the people that you would assume would qualify for these roles. But all these people were changed by the grace of God and as they experienced a change as they had a real experience with Jesus they were willing then to go through anything that they possibly could so that others may experience that true experience now i know you could be thinking well this lesson's not very encouraging cuz well in reality who wants to who wants to just suffer who wants to just be uncomfortable Remember, Jesus never withholds a good thing from you. And the small discomfort that you have at the beginning is replaced by the greatest joy that can ever be experienced. Every single time my wife and I get to witness someone entering the waters of baptism, there is an overwhelming just sense of awe and this overwhelming sense of humility, this overwhelming sense of how unbelievable is this, that God in his grace and his goodness has allowed us to be a part of these people's journey. And and the joy that is in my heart in those moments is uncomparable to anything else i've experienced and now my testimony it's going to be nowhere near sacrificial as other people's but definitely in our journey as much as we can recall at this point when god asked us to leave what was comfortable we left what was comfortable When where god led we've tried to follow and at at times, that's that's been very difficult. At times, it seemed very unideal for our family. At times, it seemed very unideal for our marriage. And yet now, as we look at it in hindsight, following where Jesus led and being willing to go where we weren't really excited to go, as we reflect back, they're actually the very things that made our marriage stronger. They ended up being the very circumstances that in hindsight helped develop the faith in our children. And not in, like not just that though, but like we often ask ourselves when a baptism is taking place and someone's giving their life to Jesus, it's very rare that my eyes are dry in those moments. And my wife and I, we have a look that we give each other and and with that look what we're really saying is what if we didn't what if we didn't answer God's call what if we didn't pursue or what if we didn't submit to what God wanted and we don't know how God works maybe God had a thousand other ways to save the individuals who he was able to use us to be a part of their journey maybe I don't know Maybe not. I also don't know that. But one thing I do know is that I would have missed out on so much blessing. I would have missed out on so many amazing experiences if I was not willing to not be uncomfortable for a moment. Because the costs that it takes in this life is nothing compared to the reward that God gives us in this life as well as the next. And so if I could encourage you guys in any way, there'll always be reasons why in your mind you think there are obstacles, why you think there are challenges, why you think that things cannot be done. There'll always be things that you think will make you extremely uncomfortable. And yet, if you step out in faith, they'll be the very things that make your life most rewarding because a life in Christ following his will is the most rewarding. Now, let's just finish with Jesus and reflecting on Jesus. And I just want to give you a a thought exercise. As you read scripture, you know his life wasn't comfortable. And when you consider especially what he did for our salvation with being betrayed by his loved ones, being whipped, being scorned, being derided, and being killed for us, no one can read that and feel like, oh, wow, this is cool. But your heart is just or, or, or overwhelmed with how could anyone love someone so much that they're willing to go through that? And it seems horrible. What Jesus went through seems horrible. Yet, if you were to ask Jesus today whether or not it was worth it or, or whether or not he's ha- happier having gone through that than if he had never gone through that, I think that Jesus would have joy that because of his sacrifice, we have hope of salvation. And so likewise, we, when we do our part, I know it's never going to be as big as what Jesus did, and we're not competing with Jesus, we're working with Jesus. But when sacrifice is what's taken, uh, required, in hindsight, you will never feel like it was too much. But you will always be in awe of how God was able to use even you. And so as we join hands in serving the world in Jesus' name, calling them to come to know their one true God and Lord and Savior, I pray the Holy Spirit be with you and I pray that no obstacle prohibit you. And I pray that like me, you may get to experience one of the most beautiful things that anyone can experience on this side of heaven and that is God using you for the salvation of someone else. God bless.